Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Kaylee chats with the endlessly creative Nikki Smart and enters her enchanting realm of storytelling, music, and community vibrance. Explore Halloween in Portugal and delve into delightful discussions filled with culture, creativity, and the heartwarming spirit of community. What is up, expats and travelers alike? It is season two, episode two, and Halloween is upon us. How's it going, Kaylee? Ah, it's going really well. Halloween, it's interesting because you walk around and you see there are some shops like the costume shops or little kid shops that will decorate. Oh, the china shops as well. Those decorate uh, for Halloween. That's where you get your decorations and your costumes. But, you know, it's not a super popular holiday here like it is in, in the U.S. or some other places, I'd say. What do you think? I agree with that. But before I give you my opinion on that, you just said china shop and you need to give context to what that is because most people – won't know what that is. Oh, yeah. So they're quite common all around Europe. Even when we lived in Spain, um, we went there. The china yes. shops, they have everything you can think of, anything you need, any little knickknack that you need, um, sometimes little random things that you're like, where would I find that? They're always at the china shops. And they're called the china shops because they're Chinese-owned. Well, uh, right? y- well, no. Uh, yes and no. I think I think they probably were first bought, brought in by Chinese, but they're most likely Chinese-owned. But they have a lot of Chinese goods. It's oh, like yeah. the the off-brand um, goods, right? Of a variety of things. But it, it will not be like Glad bags that you're buying. It's going to be some other type of off-brand, <laughs> yeah, like white label bag. bag. Yeah, yeah. You definitely don't go there for brand stuff. But um, you go there for 
anything you think of that you need, like just something random, that's where you go. We um, generally don't see them owned by Portuguese people. Um, Indians, Bangladeshi owned, yeah. depending on where you are in Portugal. I guess they're kind of commonly called the China shops. And that's not meant to be any. It's not it, derogatory. No, not at all. It's just. Um, it was brought to, I think, Europe mainly by Chinese uh, immigrants. Yeah. And so yeah. then you know what kind of uh, shop it is, I guess, what you're mm -hmm. looking for. Uh, it's, a, it's a description the same way you would say I'm going to a grocery store or the continent or whatever, right? You would, it, It's just a descriptor word of how you would. Think of it as the Dollar General. Oh, yeah. That's a great way to think of it. Uh, yeah. One of the dollar Dollar, dollar stores. stores. Yeah. Right? Because there's a bunch of them. Dollar Tree, yeah. Dollar General. That's basically it. Yeah. So okay. they're just called the China shops here. So Halloween. Um, you know, Halloween has always been a mixed bag for us while living abroad. It's not celebrated, at least in the countries that we've lived in, it's not celebrated with the same uh, verver as in the U.S., right? Yeah, definitely. But also, we don't really celebrate it. Like, we, we like dress-up parties and costume parties and stuff, but, but we don't really necessarily celebrate Halloween per se. Do you yeah, know what I, mean? I guess if we catch a party like that around this time of year, then it's fine. But if there was a costume party in March, we would go to it, right? Just because of how we would like something like that. Exactly. Um, they do. I think they do stuff for kids more so here. Yes. The schools will have, uh, you know, dress up stuff. So they they do have some kids stuff. But as far as like really full on trick or treating, you might see some of the kids doing that. But it's not it's not super common. Correct. Okay. So this week, the guest is Nikki Smart, and you had the pleasure of interviewing her and chatting with her. It's not really even an interview, is it? It's just a, it's a chat. It is a chat, which is a lot of fun. Um, just kind of exploring what p different people are doing all around Portugal. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to Nikki from someone else, so it was all new to me, which was great. And she lives in Kashkaish. She's got a really cool story. She started a website called Spotlight Kashkaish, which is perfect because – you know, when you live in Portugal or just a, a place that's not your home country, sometimes you're like, how do I find out what's going on? And you might find something here and then there and there. So what she's done is she's taken all the events and things going on and she puts it on one website. And we actually have this issue in Porto, which we talk about. Yes. Stuff will be happening and someone will be like, hey, did you hear about this? And it's like, where did you hear about that? Like, I didn't realize that was going on this weekend or something like that. And there's so much going on. But it's hard to find it all in one place and in English as well. That's the other thing. So she's doing That's great That's what things. I was going to comment on yeah. actually is, is certainly up here in Porto. I don't know how well the information is kind of disseminated in Portuguese, but it's definitely not done well in English. It's, it's not – there's not like one central location that you can go to. Even, for example, a massive publication, well-known publication like Time Out that many people would know about, Time Out doesn't even cover all the events they're probably one of the better ones that you could go to and rely on. But still, there's there's no like one central hub for all of the the events that happen. Yeah? Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a need for this, definitely. And she saw this need in Kashkaish as it grows. So we talk a little bit about that. So that's a great source if you if you land in Kashkaish. But then we also talk about what it's like there. She's been there for several years. So she's seen it evolve in the past couple of years. So it's interesting to get her take on what it was like uh, a couple years ago, why she still loves it and how it's changed, what kind of person it's for and all that fun stuff. It's it's a good a good chat. I'm assuming it's for the posh people. <laughs> well, is that why we don't live there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so a bit about what's going on in our lives. We're super excited with 
our real estate development starting up demolition. Uh, it's scheduled for November 2nd, so hopefully uh, we get cranking then, uh, but we're super excited about it. We're so grateful for the amount of people who have uh, subscribed to that channel off the back of the last video we published um, uh, just a few weeks ago on YouTube, you know, kind of saying, hey, we finally bought a building. It was this massive process. It was a roller coaster ride, but we've done it. And, um, and then now there's a bit of lag between uh, purchasing the building, getting all the paperwork ready, which is super boring because we didn't put in, in video format, and then starting the actual demolition itself. So that's scheduled to start the day after a holiday. November 1st is a holiday here. Yes. And then November 2nd is, is when it's scheduled to start. Let's What's the see. holiday, November 1st? I just don't see him miss the school. <laughs> yeah, it is All Saints Day. Okay. Yeah, day oh, after yeah. Halloween, right? All oh, Saints Day. Yep, okay. Makes November sense. November 1st. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, anything else? No, so we just, of? we're going to house all that that information and videos and all that stuff in our new channel, Let's Get Building with Josh and Kaylee. And I have confirmed with the architect that she's going to let Swing us. Swing a hammer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not... Not demolition stuff, but what would you say? Yeah. Breaks, Demo. break stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Throw a sledgehammer, I guess. Not throw it. We're going to swing it. Oh, swing swang it. it. Well, I don't swang know. a it's, sledgehammer. Depending on how hard I swing, it might be thrown as well. <laughs> that would be called uh, letting go of the sledgehammer. <laughs> yes. Losing one's grip. So uh, that will be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be. Um, but what will be fun is I'm actually really looking forward to this interview because Kashkaish is a place that's always interested me. When we visited, I've, I'm, well, it's stunning. It's an absolutely beautiful place. It feels almost like a village in certain parts of it, for sure. Uh, when you walk around the municipal market area and then when you go kind of into the downtown area, both just have this very village feel but it it oh man it's hard to describe it's almost like being in a a resort slightly disneyfied a little <laughs> bit because it's so like clean and and things look very culturally kind of fixed and okay. appropriate mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's very it's a very very interesting place um but i think that the income levels of the people there are are much higher than ours not I think, I know. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think we fit in there. Well, yeah, it's uh, spot on that you mentioned village because she actually uses that that term as well. Ah, okay. So she's going to unpack that stuff for us. All right. So thank you all for tuning in. Let's get to the interview. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for this rich conversation with Nikki and Kaylee. Worldpost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. World Post can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs> She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Nikki, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Let's chat a little bit about where you lived before you moved to Portugal and where you are now. Well, hi, Kaylee. Um, okay, so before I moved here, I was in Los Angeles in California and sort of going between L.A. and Laguna Beach. Um, and then I decided to move to Portugal, and I'm now in Cascais, Portugal. Okay, and why did you decide to move? You know, so many people ask me that, and I don't really have a clear answer because I just always had this idea in my head that I was going to live in Portugal one day. And it started about 10 years ago, and I never really took it seriously. It was just sort of there. And then um, out of the blue, a friend of mine said he had an apartment in Eresera, and would I like to take it for three months? And I knew nobody in Portugal at all, and I thought, well, you know what? here's a chance to see if what I've been thinking of in my, what I've been dreaming about is actually true. So I, I went to Eresera and I feel like the minute I landed, like from, from the word go, I just felt like, yes, it was a yes. It was a big yes. And okay. I, How long ago was that? I, you know, I just, so that was in 21. I think I went in July of 21 and um, I think I had a bit of a different experience too because COVID was still very much in place. So everything was a lot emptier. There was a lot more space. Um, it was quieter, right? And so it also felt very peaceful and lovely. Not, I mean, it still does now, but obviously once the you know tourism kicked back in, everything got a little bit more hectic. But yeah, so um, I was there just for three months. And during the, the, those three months determined yeah, that I wanted to do this as a permanent move. So, And I had never heard of this D7 visa. I was looking at the golden visa, and I couldn't afford the golden visa, but they were like cheaper options if you would buy inland. And there were different schemes and that, so I was just frantically looking through all of those. And then someone said to me, well, there's this thing called the D7 visa. And so... 
um, thank you to, uh, her name was Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> and so I went back to LA and um, had to apply from there. And my nearest office was San Francisco. And so I had to go to the VSF office there and fill everything in and wait for the visa to come through. And then I came back uh, February last year. So 2022. Okay. So when you were researching, what resources did you find particularly helpful in researching maybe where to where to live in Portugal, how to get here, those types of things? Uh, actually, I remember kind of struggling to find what properties I could I could buy with less than five hundred thousand euros um, because I didn't have that amount of money. But I just sold my house in LA, so I had I had a, sm- a smaller amount. But it was very, very tricky to find the right places. So I actually, I can't say that any of them were helpful. The most helpful thing was when I found out about the D7. Um, and then I just researched it every which way possible. Um, while I was in Erisera, um, the same woman told me to get a NIF number. So I did that through Borders. Um so that was really helpful because I really had that number in place. What I didn't do is open a bank account. And once I was back in LA, there was no way. I couldn't figure out how to open up a Portuguese bank account. So when I went for my VSF interview, I just told them, look, I really tried, but I couldn't find a way to do it. And they said, that's okay. Oh, that's nice. So, <laughs> I think you were early know, enough that they were still with uh, COVID and everything that they were letting some of those things slide. Because now Border, they're a great company um, to get stuff done remotely. And now they have the option for doing the NIF and the bank account. You can do a package. That's right. Nice. I saw that. But by that time, I was here again and I've you know got it, got it done. Yeah, obviously um, they started that service because it was something that was necessary, right? I mean, because look, you yes. went back to LA and you there was no way for you to get a bank oh, account. It so. was it was not it was not easy. I must say the paperwork and the trying to find out information was not easy. Yeah, we actually had the same the same situation because it was we moved in 2020 and because of COVID, we couldn't come to Portugal to get like our NIF number or bank account or any right. of that stuff. Right. So they told us to just write a letter saying that when we arrived, we would get it. Um, and so they let that go, of course, because, uh, you know, things were different then. But, man, we had a hard time when we when we got here to Portugal trying to set that stuff up because it was, it was yeah. a bit chaotic. But we got through it. <laughs> and I, actually, I feel like it was harder a few years ago because not many people were doing it. But now lots of people are doing it. There's much more information available and much more yes. help. That's how it feels. Um, so that's the plus side. But on the downside, because there's much more people, I feel like everything's getting a bit more expensive. Oh, and it's definitely. getting a little bit, like you said, I think they were more lenient with me. They might not be as lenient now. I don't know. I agree. So, I agree. So so you yeah. came in on the D7, which, you know, since you've moved here, and they've now split the D7 is for passive, the D8 is for active. Or did you come over with passive or active income? Like, are you still working? I uh, came over with passive, um, but I am still working as well. So, I mean... I don't know that I've done the right thing there, but I'm 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 not touching anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It, it's fine because the the D8, you know, is just the newer uh, digital nomad remote worker visa because there's a lot more people now who can live in Portugal. Ah, and work see, remotely. no, I didn't even so, know about that one. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, what you did was fine. It's the same thing with us. We came over on the D7 because at the, that point, the D8 didn't exist. Um, that's just right. a newer version of really what we would be at this point. But you don't change your visa status or anything because we already have our temporary residency. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's no issues there. But there is a difference now for those who are interested passive versus active income. Um, and we have courses for that as well. We can put in the show notes uh, for how to do that okay. stuff. But, okay, great. So you came over. Uh, how come you didn't land? in Arisera, like when you when you made the move? Oh, uh, because um, I felt that Arisera was a little bit remote. I felt a little bit isolated there. I mean, I don't have a car. I still don't have a car. Um, and it's a bit, you know, there's only a bus that goes into Lisbon, but it's not easy and it takes a long time. And um, and I had been down to Cascais for uh, some friends getting together. And when I saw Cascais, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that is where I want to be. So when I came back, I found a hotel in Eshteril, which is quite close to Cascais, Um, and I bought a place within a month. I mean, I just was every day looking, 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 and I was determined to buy a place. And I found a fantastic place um, with a lovely ocean view. I mean, I just got such a great deal. And then I moved in, and that's when I had my little like, oh, my God, what have I done? I just bought a house in Portugal. <laughs> sort yeah. of a delayed reaction. And that's when it kind of hit me that I've actually moved countries. And um, yeah, it's quite strange because I was, I was so focused in the beginning on getting things done. And then when I had everything done, that's when I kind of had a bit of a wobbly. Just It's a big okay. change. It's a big jump, you know. Do you still have the house that you bought or was it so, such a big wobbly that you got rid of it? <laughs> No, 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 no. I love it. I love my okay. place. It's just a little one-bedroom apartment, but I absolutely love it. And I mean, for what I paid for this place, I couldn't have even bought a garage in Los Angeles. I mean, I couldn't buy anything there for that price. So to have a wonderful one-bedroom apartment with an ocean view, I can walk into town within 10 minutes. I mean, it's fantastic. But amazing. again, um, I feel like I got really lucky. I got in right under the, I feel like Right after I got in, within a month, prices started going up. So I don't think the kind of deal I got is actually that easy to find now. Yes. Prices have continued to to rise as far as housing goes, for sure. Renting and buying, uh, especially in Lisbon and Porto, where we live. Um, But that's great. You got in before. And did you just Mm -hmm. use the cash from the sale of your place in LA, or did you have to do a mortgage? Exactly. No, I just did cash. And even that was a bit terrifying too because I had my money in Wells Fargo and they decided that I could only take out $75,000 at a time. And it, it, it was just, it was a huge, I mean, that was a nightmare getting my money out. And I, I wish I'd thought of it beforehand, but I didn't because I'm sure if you go to Wells Fargo, set it up beforehand, it probably is smooth sailing, but I hadn't even thought about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very that... good at planning. I've got to be honest. Uh, that's funny. Um, I've actually heard that Wells Fargo for like being abroad and we used to have a Wells Fargo business account, which we shut down because it was terrible. Um, cause being abroad, people have issues with it. Same thing like this. Um, I mean, we have a lot of regulations in the U S with how banking is anyway. So how much can be released and stuff, but it seems like I've heard a lot of people having issues with Wells Fargo. So just for our listener, <laughs> that might be a little tip. Wells Fargo might not be yeah. the best, uh, bank. I mean, let, yes, let me just tell these hello listeners. Let me just tell you that I have actually been locked out of my Wells Fargo account at this point. And even though I phone them and go, 
you know, I'm in Portugal, they just they just keep saying, well, you have to come into a branch. And I'm like, but I can't. I'm not in Portugal. And so I have not been able to get back in. I've been locked out for months now. And I just had to work around it with other bank accounts. But it's pretty annoying. Yeah. So yeah, make sure you fix up your bank accounts before you leave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you're not the first person who's told me they've been locked out. They've been abroad and they're locked out and they've been told they have to go in person to a branch. And it's like, I don't live there. I'm not there right now. And and that's it. Too bad. So then if you can't use Wells Fargo, do you recommend any other banks um, that you've been using that are just more friendly as far as being abroad? Yes. I mean, I opened up a WISE account. And for me, yeah, WISE great. has been fantastic, yeah, because I can yeah. use it when I'm in England. I can use it in any currency. Um, the exchange rate is always pretty good. And they've recently started, if you leave money in your WISE account, they actually pay you interest on it. So now I actually earn money from having my money in a WISE account, which is yeah, it's fantastic. Great. As opposed to so many yeah. banks that uh, take money from you for having an account open with them, right? Right. Well, I, I see that Portuguese banks are not very good at giving you interest. They they just like to charge you, but oh, I'm okay do. with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So why know, is it? Yes, I mean, the banking system is so so different here. It's so different. It really. It's it's it's. I mean, I don't know if you have a. I have a Banco Novo account. Was a Novo Banco, and mm. uh, to get into my account, I have a little card with all these codes on, and then they ask you all these different questions. I mean, it's really difficult just to get into your own account. So yeah, yep. lots of security. We have that. Uh, we have our, our mortgage through them. So yeah, the security. The good thing is, is that when I log in, I think the app is a bit friendlier. When I log in on my phone, I can just use the facial recognition, which is nice. Um, but yeah, if I'm doing it on the computer, I have yeah. the same thing. It's got those the little pin codes that you have to do. Um so yes, that's difficult, but yeah. but yes, banking is quite different, quite different here. I want to circle back to when you bought your place. Um, you know, it was terrifying mm-hmm. using cash. Did you go through a realtor, a lawyer? Did you do it yourself? What was that process like? I went through a realtor, and um, I loved her. She's um, she's South African, and because I actually grew up in South Africa and then moved to LA, um, it just it, it felt more com- it felt comfortable to have instead of a Portuguese uh, realtor to have a South African one, um, and she actually found the place. Even though I'd been looking and looking, she found one on a site that I didn't have access to, so that that was good. Um, and then of course it's the you put you put down, I think it's ten percent. I'm not sure what the amount is you have to put down, and then they have this thing here that. If you don't move forward, they they keep that 10% of your money. You don't get it back. So if I put down 10% and change my mind, I lose that money. And if I've given them the money and they change their mind, they have to give me back double. So that's kind of a, a, a strange thing too. And I had given the woman 15,000 euros and she changed her mind. And I, I mean, I was just like freaking out because... I'm like, okay, so the law says she has to give it, give me back double. But who says she's ever going to do it? And what, am I going to have to sue her and work through some horrible legal case? And it could take years and years and years. But luckily, she changed her mind again, and then she did end up selling it to me. But that was pretty, yeah, it was pretty stressful. That is a stressful situation. Yeah. yeah. So the, the CPCV, we had the same thing when we bought our property. Um, 
you put down like a deposit, you sign a CPCV and it was the same um, standard, you know, if you back out, they keep your money. If they back out, if the seller backs out, then they have to give you double. Um, so yeah, standard procedure here, but a little, a little different, but good for our listeners to know that. Um, so that's kind of scary. She tried to back out and then what happened? Did, um, did you have a lawyer say, if you back out, we're coming after you or she kind of just went through the no, process no, no. on her she, own? She, my, my realtor went to speak to her and, um, I mean, it went back and forth, hum, ha, hum, ha. And finally she said yes, but, um, yeah, it was super stressful, super stressful. And then Wells Fargo was giving me a hard time. So that, I mean, it was just like, a, ah, but um, got it done. And very yeah. glad that I did because I absolutely love my place. And yeah, couldn't have found a better place. So it was all, all that trauma was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Yeah. It was worth it because I think anything like that here, uh, bureaucracy is stressful, but it's good to know at the end of the day it was worth it. So you um, you went to Kashkai, you fell in love. What did you fall in love with when you when you visited? Um, I mean, it's just got, it's, I feel like Kashkaish has got a little bit of everything. Uh, it's got all these little streets with restaurants everywhere. So it's got this real, it's got a villagey feel, but then it's not that small that, it, you know, you can still, there's things happening here. I mean, they have events all the time. And then with the beaches, they have one side where there's a thing called the Paradao, which is like the promenade or the parade. And there's little coffee shops and restaurants along there. And the beaches there are actually onto the river, the Targus River. So they're, they're very gentle. So you can swim in these beautiful, you know, very calm waters, or you can go just around the corner and then you're on Ginshu Beach, which is the Atlantic coming in. And it's these huge big waves and all the surfers and kite surfers and all that happens on that side. So, and I mean, you can go into this little village, there's like a city center, or you can go out and within 10 minutes, you're in the most beautiful countryside. I mean, it's fantastic. And then, you know, you're only half an hour away from Lisbon on the train. So if you really want to get in and have some cultural events and all that kind of thing, it's the city is right there on your doorstep, basically. So I just felt and like it was really good a car. in that it has a little bit of everything. And the other, th yes, absolutely. You don't really need a car. But the other thing that is very easy about Kaskaish is that so many people speak English. There's just a really big expat community here. So that that made it an easy choice too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know, is there a temperature difference in the water depending on what beach you're at, if it's more of the river compared to the Atlantic? Can you tell a temperature difference? Oh, well, I'm not brave enough to go in on the Atlantic side, but um, I go in on the river side and there's a, actually a, a little pool like a natural pool that fills up and I love to swim in there because the water is always warmer in there and the minute you leave the pool like you can swim over the wall at high tide and it just drops and it's like oh that is freezing so yeah so I love the little pool it's, I call it my pool it's my pool now <laughs> I, own, I yeah. own it I've claimed it but yeah um, I'm the water doesn't exactly get warm hmm. yeah it, uh, I mean okay, it's great I think this past month, it's actually been quite nice, but often it's just bloody freezing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what we hear. Uh, pretty much all of Portugal is like that, right? The water, uh, just because the coastline, is it's cold water. But um, okay, so you were saying that yeah. there, English is widely spoken. 
There's uh, There are a lot of expats there. Are there South Africans, Americans? What kind of expats do you come into contact with? Oh, there are so many South Africans. Now, I, I haven't lived in South Africa for almost 30 years. So to me, it actually felt a little bit like coming home. Um, my neighbor is from a tiny little town in South Africa called Nelspreet. I mean, unheard of. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of South Africans here. You hear a lot of, uh, I mean, in the summer months, there's lots of tourists. So you hear French and German and all kinds of languages, um, quite a few Ukrainians, um, and then Americans, absolutely. And the Americans, I felt like I didn't, there weren't very many in the beginning, but now this is almost two years later. There's a lot more Americans here now. Yeah. Okay. And maybe and they're traveling as well. I don't know that they're all living here, but I certainly hear the accents a lot more than I used to. Would you say um, that you could get by without knowing any Portuguese there, or is it still uh, advisable to learn a little Portuguese? I mean, you could get by, but I think it's it's better to know some Portuguese, and it's I find it's like respectful to the country. I mean, I want to I always make an effort to try and speak to people in Portuguese first instead of just immediately going to English, and then they always very kindly answer me in English because they can see I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you don't need to know Portuguese uh, because most people here can speak it. Even the baristas and the waiters and everyone, you know, they can manage a bit. But I still want to learn it. I mean, I'm trying. It's it's quite a difficult language, but I'm pretty determined. So yeah, that's yeah. good advice. Uh, being respectful and just trying to learn it, but it is it is a difficult language for sure. And earlier you were talking about different events that go on there. Now you're in a bit in the event scene, right? Don't you uh, have like meetups or what kinds of things you do and what other events are available for those who are interested? Uh, so um, so I started this website called Spotlight Kaskaish. And I actually started it because my friends were all saying, we never know what's going on in this town. We only find out when it's already happened. And so I said, okay, I'm going to build a website that just shows everything that's happening uh, every month and then weekly happenings and then maybe things that happen once a year. So you can look forward to these are the events that come through Kaskaish every year, like Iron Man and Feshtos Dumar. And um, so I, I, I started building that and I realized as I was researching what events, it is actually quite difficult to find out because you, you, we don't know where the places are, where all the great venues are. And then everything's in Portuguese, so it is a bit tricky, but I feel like I'm I'm finding amazing things that are going on. I mean, Lisbon has a huge amount of stuff happening. They have rooftop cinemas, and they have this coliseum that fits 3,000 people where they're going to have an orchestra that plays all the theme music from all the hit films like Jurassic Park and, I'm, you know, E.T., and I mean, oh, I'm, like, excited to go to that, and... um yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's just a lot, a lot of orchestral stuff and chamber music. Uh, and you just have to dig a bit. So I'm making it easy for everyone by putting it all on the spotlight, Kaskaish. And then I decided I wanted to try and build community. So I'm going to each time spotlight a person and a place and somebody's pet. And I just thought the more I can build community and get people involved, and I just, that, that'll give me a focus. And it'll help me sort of get more into the community here too. 
And do you find yeah. that you have a mix of all different uh, nationalities who, who join some of these events that you do? Like do Portuguese people come to this as well or is it mainly English speakers? Oh, I'm not, I'm not hosting the events. I mean, I'm just mm. putting the word out that they're, they're happening. So I don't, and I don't go to most of them, so I don't know. And a lot of them are, are already out there on all these different sites too. But there isn't one that sort of houses everything. So I'm just trying to build a sort of information hub in a way. And then I'm even going to try and expand it to do like, where can I go for yoga classes and dance classes and chess and whatever, you know, just start building like almost like a yellow pages kind of a type thing online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you don't host it, but it's like a one-stop shop. Someone can go there and try to find anything that's going on and it's all in English. So it makes it a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. So we'll see how far I get. You know, I've only just started and I, I'm, I might, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's great. Okay. So you've been here for a couple of years. Have you been able to travel a little bit around Europe or what has traveling been like um, since you're fairly close to Lisbon Mm. in that airport? Is it pretty easy? It's fantastic. It is just fantastic. I mean, I've been to Amsterdam and I mean, I went to Amsterdam because my friend called me at like 10 at night and she, her husband had actually had a heart attack in in, in the airport in, in Schiphol. And so she's like, Nikki, please, will you come with me to Amsterdam right now? And I'm like, sure. So I, by, by two in the morning, we were on a plane. Um, and luckily he was fine. But I just love the fact that you can just jump on a plane and be in Amsterdam. Great. And we, had the, we actually had a wonderful week there. And then I've been working in London. I've been there twice and loved that. And then I went and worked at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which I did the whole month there this year and last year. And, I mean, these are opportunities that would not have been available to me had I still been living in Los Angeles. It just it would have been a little bit difficult to make it that far, right? But here it's just like an hour, two-hour flight. And are so you in I the same it. industry as you were when you lived in L.A., or have you shifted your actual work? Um, I mean, I'm always shifting stuff. I just I, I did music for a very long time. and then I started doing writing. So the writing sort of shifted into a magazine. And then I was doing this language program uh, in London, which was a virtual reality English language learning program, which was pretty fantastic. And then when I went to the French Festival, I just went as a co-producer the first year, and then I was doing PR for acts the second year. So I just kind of, I don't really know what it is that I do. I do a bit of everything you know, now okay. I'm doing this spotlight because, gosh, we'll see. And, um, yeah, but, but I feel I, I, love, I love the fact that the whole of Europe is kind of on your doorstep. I don't know. I just feel like it opens up so, so much opportunity. And do you yeah. – is it just networking that you meet people, you start talking, and then this opportunity opens? Or how would you recommend people get into this stuff? Um. Yeah, it's networking and also I, I, I do a lot of research on the internet. I'm always just sort of following up all kinds of everything. Um, and I mean, the, 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 bad, the bad thing about Kazkaish is that most of the expats here are retired and I'm not ready to retire yet. So the thing I miss the most here is the buzz because LA has such a fantastic buzz and there's no buzz here. It's just very mellow here. But when I go over to London, I get I get that feed. And when I went to Edinburgh, I was you know, so I can feed my 
the part of me that needs that energy. But that's why I wanted to start something here, the Spotlight Cosgaish, just so I can get a little bit of something going here that gives me gives me focus and, and gives me something to do. Okay. So that's good information. Those who want to know, there's not as much buzz there. It's a bit uh, more mellow. So if you're looking for more of a buzz, would you recommend people are more in the downtown Lisbon area then? I would, yeah, you would want to be in Lisbon. I mean, we're close to Lisbon here, but still, I think if you're actually in it, you'd feel that hum of activity much more than you would in, in Cascais. Okay, so it's a bit more of just and, a mellow and the other, And I'm sure there's a huge artistic and creative scene going on as well, but I haven't been able to tap into it yet because of the language barrier. Yeah, so, but I, I'm confident that that'll start. And I'm also interested in film, and I know the film industry is really picking up in Portugal. And I just, and I know there's a lot of people moving here with that intention of, you know, being in that field. So um, I'm excited yeah. for all of that. Yeah. And as far as cost of living, I think Cascais is kind of known to be one of the pricier areas in Portugal in general. Yes, I think we're, we're the Beverly that? Hills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently we're, yes. Um, I didn't notice it at first because I think when I got here, it was still not not too bad, but I have noticed it recently getting more and more. Um, but I still, if I compare it to LA prices, it still feels very manageable. What about I mean, if you I got compared such, to London? Well, even compared to London, yeah, it still feels better. But I mean, I had been away from America for almost a year and I went back and I went to some coffee shop in Silver Lake and an almond croissant was $7.40 and I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm like, what? It just seemed so outrageous because, yeah, you would never pay that here. Well, I shouldn't say never, how much but would you I'm pay? hoping not. How much, how much would you pay for something like that there? I mean, a croissant here is usually two to three euros at the very most. Right. So, And what kinds of things did you see, like, since you, you know, you were first visiting around 2021, now we're end of 2023, like, what price changes have you seen? Um, has it been, like, grocery stores? Has it been restaurants? What kinds of things? I mean, I think the thing that's gone up the most has been the rent and the house prices. Those have kind of skyrocketed. Um, yes, there's been an increase in grocery shopping, but not too horrible. Um, and I think the government here is really, they're aware of it and they're really trying to, they know that people here don't earn a lot of money and can't afford a lot of stuff. So they have made basics you don't pay tax on them. So I think it's like milk and bread and vegetables and there's a lot of food that, that so, it's, so that it's cheaper for people. Um, and then as far as uh, petrol or gas, I don't know because I don't have a car, but I believe that's quite pricey now as well. Um, Electricity-wise and that, I, I, I still feel like it's really reasonable. Mm -hmm. So... Now, since you don't have a car, like you were saying, uh, how do you get around? What's the best way to get around? Ah, well, I bought an electric bike, and I, I feel like I'm a hazard on the road on that thing, but <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. I mean, it gets me up and down the hill. Um, and then, because if you live in Cascais, you get a little card that lets you go on any of the buses for free. So you can take the buses anywhere within the Cascais area. 
which is again, I mean, great bonus. And then walking. Do you just have to have a proof of residency for that? You have to have your proof of residency, yeah. Permanent address. Okay. Is it common to see people on uh, on e-bikes or scooters? Is that a common thing around there? Oh my gosh, yes. Very common. And you can just rent them for the day as well. They have them everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So that's good for people who don't want a car. You have options. Yeah. And really in Cascais, you don't really need a car because it's quite, it's small enough to get to everything. And then the train is fantastic. So, and then Uber is really cheap. You know, you can get an Uber. For, for me to Uber into town would cost me like three euros. Okay. So Yeah, which is uh, quite different than LA or even when we were in Germany not long ago, the Uber prices were like, whoa, compared to Portugal in general. So yeah, so it's quite reasonable yeah. to do Uber. Yeah. Uh, now, earlier you were talking about how Kashkash is more mellow. So who, like if you had to say this type of person should not move to Kashkash because of this reason, what kind of person would you say it's Kashkash probably isn't for you? Um, well, I, I, like I said, I mean, the, the age group here is is towards the older older side. Um, so I think for young people, that's probably not, not going to be that satisfying. Um, and I, I just mean by mellow because, yeah, most of them are retired. So they're not, you know, they're playing golf and having lunches. They're not working on projects that are exciting. And you're, they're not like, oh, I'm doing this today. And blah, blah, blah. that doesn't happen. Whereas when you're in L.A., everyone's like on a film project or got a music thing going or there's some concert happening, you know, and they're always someone's making something happen in a creative field, especially. And that's what I miss. But, um, I mean, with the technology and, and uh all these, like you, and nomads, digital nomads and that, I don't know that that affects them because you can live in a peaceful place and still have all your work right in front of you on your computer, and so you're still getting what you need, you know. Yeah. And, and there's little cafes where people all sort of gather together with their computers and, yeah. Okay, that's good. So at Expats Everywhere, we like to ask people about living abroad and how it's transformed their lives because we believe that living abroad transforms lives. So how has moving to Portugal just changed and transformed your life? Um, I mean, I think I feel more confident in myself. I think I feel freer here. I didn't realize, I mean, it's weird because you only see these things in hindsight. But the first time I went to a beach here, I was really amazed at and how comfortable everybody is in their own skin. And there's no body shaming and no one's like looking at each other. And and I thought, gosh, I couldn't do that in Laguna. You you feel so like everyone's, you know, judging you, whereas I, I don't feel that here. So that immediately took sort of a weight off because I feel you, you're more free to be yourself. You don't have to put on makeup. You don't have to wear high shoes. You don't have to do your hair, whatever. You can go out looking however you are. No one cares. Nobody will say a word, right? Because they're not even, it's not even on their radar. So I really appreciate that. Um, I'm proud of myself for doing it because I, I know it's not so easy to just go to a new country by yourself. So that, yeah, may it sort of boosts your confidence when you accomplish something. And I feel healthier here because I'm walking a hell of a lot more. I'm outdoors a hell of a lot more. and. I feel like I eat I eat better food here too. Um, and I don't know if the 
the produce here is better or if the flour that they use in bread or what it is. But I just feel like when I eat here, I, I don't struggle as much as I do um, in the USA. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for sharing today. And Spotlight sounds awesome. A great place for people to go to find out what's going on in Kashkaish. Yeah, Spotlight Kashkaish. Sign up for my letter and then you'll just get my warblings every month. You'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So, listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 